0: Welcome back to the podcast. I have with me today yet another dear, dear friend whom I admire greatly, with whom I have shared so many beautiful experiences and meals and parties and times together. I miss you terribly. Emily Fletcher, welcome to the podcast.
1: I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you for creating this. Hmm. Thank you for being my friend. Hmm. Thank you for living so beautifully and elegantly through the world and being an example to all of us of just how much mastery we can incorporate into every day. God bless. (laughs) God bless
0: you. I was just going to say, God bless. You are a leading expert in meditation for high performance. This is probably the most notable aspect of your bio. You're the creator of the Ziva Technique and the founder of Ziva. You've developed the world's first online meditation training program. That is something. You are also the founder of Ziva Kids, which is somewhere very close to launching. And you were actually inspired to teach after experiencing the profound physical and mental benefits that meditation provided you during your 10-year career on, drumroll please, Broadway. Broadway, so good. Broadway. Oh, just keep singing. I have <laughs> we'll just more than fifty. Come on. <laughs> Come just on, let's do a out. quick show tune. <laughs> Teaching more than 15,000 people learning about the unique demands of elite performers, you realize that meditation alone is not enough. So you developed the Ziva technique, which is a powerful trifecta. I'm so excited to talk to you about this, of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And these three together are designed to unlock your full potential, both personally and professionally. And you've been featured in so many different news outlets and you teach online, in person. You have a baby boy named
1: Jasper who's not a baby anymore. my God, how old is he? He's a little over two and he's pure magic. Jesus. Of course he is.
0: Mm -hmm. Of course he is. Yeah. So, okay, I want to start by defining the difference between mindfulness and meditation-hmm and then I have a few other tangents that I wish to go on
1: great so I know that I'm likely in the minority on this bucketing system and this naming convention but I think that it's important that as these techniques and practices become more and more popular that we get specific with our language otherwise I right. think it can be confusing for people when they're starting so the way I would define the difference is that mindfulness is, The art of bringing your awareness into the present moment, which is beautiful and necessary and powerful. And Mm -hmm. mindfulness is very good at creating a state change. Like I had a crazy day at work, I'm schooling my kids from home, let me do this 10-minute guided thing on this app, I feel better in the now, a state change, which is different than the type of meditation that I teach, which is creating a trait change. It is getting rid of your stress from the past. And so technique-wise, the mindfulness is very much more about focused awareness, where you're directing your focus. Your prefrontal cortex is involved, where you're counting mm-hmm. your breath or you know, envisioning a waterfall or imagining your chakras, but there's a directed focus, which is different than this style of meditation in Ziva, which is all about letting go. It's all about surrendering. It's all about that space between. And when you're accessing actually a fourth state of consciousness, which is different than waking, sleeping, and dreaming. The right and left hemispheres of the brain start to function in unison, and you're giving your body rest that's five times deeper than sleep. And that's a really important point because when you give your body that deep rest, it's healing yourself not only from stress from today, but all that stress from our past, the stuff that gets stored in our cellular, and now we even know in our epigenetic memory. And what I've found is that it's really that eradication of the backlog of stresses that gives us this huge performance boost. We're like, oh, I'm smarter. Oh, I'm faster. Oh, I'm more intuitive. You know, I have more gas in the tank because of that that low-grade like stress that most of us are under, sp- certainly right now. Um, so that's my cliff's notes difference. Also, not for nothing, most of the modern mindfulness techniques I find are derivations of techniques that were originally made for monks, whereas the Ziva technique is based on something that was made for what we would call householders, so people with busy minds and busy lives. Meaning that you don't have to focus or concentrate or clear your mind. It feels more like a nap sitting up but without a sleep hangover.
0: Right. I what I love about your style, and I actually sent my kid to you back mm-hmm. in the day. He was, I don't know, four or five, six. Something I think he was like five this. or six, yeah. And he came to you, he was he was uh thrilled when he came home. He had his own mantra.
1: hmm
0: And he had a practice of his own. Now, he doesn't I don't think he' does it like doesn't like set a timer and sit down and meditate but i'm fairly certain that i've caught him many times laying in his bed not quite asleep not quite awake definitely meditating like any child does Mm -hmm. and i have you to thank for that which is really tremendous um talk to us about this initiative for the kids because this feels important
1: yeah so I would say for the past six or seven years, this has been the number one most requested thing that I've gotten. Emails, DMs on Instagram, just, can I teach my kids? Can you help me teach my kids? Do you have a course for kids? I really want to share this with my kids. And for years, I was like, no, no, not now, not me. I'm not a kid's teacher. It's not my area of expertise. And so for years, I just said no. And I I think it was actually becoming a mother and just my whole heart exploding open and seeing how... I mean he's only 2 my son but I can already you know imagine how things are going to feel when he gets a little older and now certainly you know so many kids are dealing with such intense change and they're having to be so resilient and like I'm going to school I'm not going to school I can see my friends I can't see my friends so I'm I'm aware of how much they're being asked to adapt and and the cost uh, on on our kids both mentally and emotionally so anyway, I just kept looking. I was I was looking to partner. I was like, could I outsource this? Could I partner with someone? And there just wasn't anything out there that I thought was good enough, powerful enough, or entertaining enough for for what I for what I thought kids deserved. So we've been working on Ziva Kids for two years now. We built a whole puppet. His name is Z Bunny. I love him so much. Uh, we have puppeteers from Sesame Street, writers from Sesame Street. I worked with. Many doctors and notably a child psychologist from Harvard who specializes in bringing Eastern practices to the West. So we have a total like elite squad of experts. Dr. Shafali's a guest expert. Um, she's been on Oprah like a, eight times or something and wrote the conscious Parent. Shafali's the best. Yeah, I love she's- her. She's rad. And I love her take on divorce as well, which we can talk about. Yes. Um, That's really very helpful to me. So Mm -hmm. anyway, point of the story is that this practice that we teach in Ziva Kids is very powerful, but it's also very entertaining. So kids move through the training. It's only seven days. So it's about 10 to 15 minutes a day for seven days. And then they have mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting to take with them for life. But my goal was to make it as entertaining as possible, so they would want to come back and visit the training like a TV show or their favorite, you know, YouTube video or something. Um, so I, you know, as you mentioned, I was on Broadway for ten years, so I really brought out my musical theater nerdiness. <laughs> there may or may not be tap dancing in this course.
0: It's my favorite thing about you, though. <laughs> My tap dancing? Is the, is the the nerdiness. My God, it's why we're friends
1: for sure. Such a nerd. I'm just laughing at my own jokes.
0: Because I, fir- I looked at you the first time and I was just like, wow, that girl is so, so pretty. And I was completely intimidated. And then you started talking and I was like, oh, she's a
1: total dork like me. <laughs> Perfect. Full on. Uh, yeah. Also, the fact that you felt intimidated by me is hilarious because I feel... So not so much intimidated but just so in awe of you of every decision you make of the way you move through the world the way you parent the way you create the way you lead like it's all really I know I've said this to you a million times but being friends with you and watching you move through the world feels like a masterclass in being a human and I'm just such a big fan of you so thanks good grief I'm going to take that all the way to the bank good all the You're way good. Put it on your website. Um,
0: I want to talk about I'm going to. I want to talk about adaptation energy. You mentioned this with regards to the kids and how adaptable they have to be, especially now with the lockdowns in and out of quarantine, etc. Talk to me about adaptation energy because you talk about this uh I think it was in the 30s, page 33. I have a note about it. Adaptation energy as your ability to handle a demand or a change of expectation. <laughs> And I think this is so important for all of us right now, including the kids. Can you speak to this a bit?
1: Mm-hmm. So, you know, we all started and we all made our vision boards in January of 2020. I don't think any of us expected a pandemic. I don't think any of us, you know, had anticipated such, uh, you know, the conspiracy theories and the social revolution and, oh you goodness. know, the unearthing of such, Not this for some of us, it was an unearthing of systemic racism. And so... Anyway, I don't think any of us anticipated this. It was a huge change of expectation. And anytime you expect something to be one way and then it turns out to be something else, it burns up a little bit of this thing called adaptation energy. And that's fine in and of itself. But if we keep having demands, 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 and we run out of adaptation energy, and then one more thing happens, that straw that breaks the camel's back, then what happens is that we launch involuntarily into a fight or flight stress reaction. So, you know, we all know how we should be acting, right? Eat more vegetables, exercise every day, go to bed before midnight, call your mom more often. Like, it's not that deep. Like, we know what we should be doing, but not, not that many of us are doing it because we run out of adaptation energy, body and brain get launched into fight or flight, amygdala takes over. We no longer have access to the full executive function of our brain. Prefrontal cortex is offline because the amygdala is so kicked in. And then we start making bad decisions, or we start, you know, punching the wall, crying over the broken glass, yelling at someone that we love that's not their fault. And And so this adaptation energy concept is important because if we're constantly running on empty, and I think that we can safely say that as a society, even as a global society, 2020 burned up a lot of adaptation energy. There were a lot of demands for almost everyone. And that in and of itself can be resilience building, but not if we don't have a daily practice to refill the reservoirs of adaptation energy. And this is why I think that meditation is so ridiculously valuable because look, it's not going to take away the demands. It's not going to take away the challenges. But what it does do is that it fills up your tank every day, Mm. twice a day. So what I find is that you can give more generously. You can even let someone suck you dry because you're like, I can go tap into the source right after this conversation. And I also find that it takes away martyrdom because you can only be a martyr if you're dealing with limited resources. And if you can tap into the very source of energy twice a day, you're not a martyr anymore.
0: Right. That's a really good point. The whole martyrdom thing. Gosh. Mm -hmm. Because you're sitting... We're doing 20 minutes twice a day. Mm -hmm. And because you're sitting, you're filling up the tank. And so the thought process, bear with me, my listener, was your mom a martyr, my listener? Because if she was, you probably have a little trace of it, or your dad, or your caretaker. So each time we sit, the tendency to think that we don't have enough energy to manage this, or... Somebody's taking that from us. It disappears because we're sitting for those 20 minutes and literally refilling the tank. True?
1: hmm That's exactly it. Because sometimes we even get stressed about being stressed. Right? We're like, oh, no, I'm mm. so anxious. I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know how I'm going to deal with X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, right. if you just take that time to fill up your tank... And you just handle the demand, handle the next demand, handle the next demand, versus when we we get overwhelmed, we then start to stack. Well, I have to do these 85 things today. How am I ever going to do it? Because we're doing the math of when am I going to run out of energy. I
0: just literally sat right before this because the day was one thing after the next. And I feel like I just started my day. It feels like the morning again.
1: Same for me. My day started. I'm home right now. My mom had a stroke two weeks ago, so I'm home with no, her. And no, no. Yeah, I know. She. The good no. news is she's healing really beautifully, and my son is here oh with her, so that's really good medicine, you know, For and yes, watching their love affair yes. is beautiful, so yes. she's definitely on the mend, and I will take some good vibes and juju. We can all just picture her in perfect health and brighter than ever.
0: Sending. Uh, Sending. Thank
1: you. Um, but, you know, so I'm home, you know, in that sandwich generation right now, I'm, you know, taking care of my mom and taking care of my son. And so there are, of course, days, and this morning was one of them, where it's just like, okay, I wake up to my son crying, and we're just out out the gate we go. So my first meditation was actually at 2pm, which is unusual for me. But I felt like I had a whole new lease on life afterwards. And I was like, Oh, I'm so ready for Elena now. Thank you. Thank you, practice. Brilliant. Oh, my God, I'll be thinking about you guys. Thank you.
0: Um, In page 43, I noted that you highlight that in only two months, meditation can change the brain enough to be visibly detectable by an MRI. Okay, talk to us about this. I know that many of us have read this and we've seen long articles about it, but I would love to hear from your mouth exactly what the changes are to your knowledge
1: hmm So I think for too long, we've put meditation in the bubble bath for your brain category or the pedicure for your brain where it's like, oh, when I have a little extra time, I'll get around to that thing, that waste of time thing <laughs> where I'm not really sure if I'm getting benefits or not, right. depending on what style you're doing. And, and so I think it's important that we start to realize that meditation is not just, it's not about what's happening in the chair. Sometimes you'll enjoy it. Sometimes you won't. Not really interested in what's happening during your sitting. Very interested in how kind, present, creative, healthy, intuitive, sexy, you know, present leader-ish you are after your practice. And so the first thing that happens when we start meditating is a neurochemical change, right? So we start producing dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. And that makes you feel nice in the meditation, but it also makes you feel nice in the rest of your day. But over time, that neurochemistry, like you need to produce more and more of it to keep feeling it. So you get addicted to it like you do any drug. So you need more and more of it. So you start producing more dopamine, more serotonin, which is great in and of itself. But then over time, your anatomy actually starts changing, your white matter, your gray matter. So you can increase your neuroplasticity. And this happens not even after two months. This happens over a few weeks. And neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to change itself, which is what we want. We want our brains to be plastic. And the other thing is that we increase neurogenesis, which is the brain's ability to produce new neurons. And we used to think that that stopped at 24. Like we used to think that the brain is growing and creating new neurons up until it's fully developed around age 24. And then it's just a slow decline to the grave is what we used to think. Now we know that you can have neurogenesis up until your 80s. If you have the right elements in place, which is exercise, real food, sunshine, sex, and meditation. So that's really exciting. Um, The other cool thing that happens is that you strengthen something called the corpus callosum. Now, the corpus callosum is a thin white strip that connects the two hemispheres of the brain. And for anyone who has seen Jill Bolte-Taylor's My Stroke of Insight TED Talk, which I watched last night with my mom and sister because I wanted them to see, you know, the impacts of a stroke on a brain. Um, She actually holds a human brain in her hand, and she was a Harvard neuroscientist who had a stroke in the left hemisphere of her brain, and she holds the brain in her hand, and she says, and she shows you that it's two separate things, and the only thing connecting these two parts of the brain is this little strip called the corpus callosum. Now, we've known for a long time that meditators have thicker corpus callosums than non-meditators, but we weren't able to prove if that was causal or correlated. But now we know that the longer you meditate, the thicker the corpus callosum becomes. And this matters because this thing is quite literally the bridge between your critical and creative minds. It is the bridge between your masculine and feminine, the bridge between the past and future and the present moment. So a real life use case for this would be your boss is freaking out about something, comes to you with some deadline and you just freeze or shut down and then retreat to your office, and two hours later, you're like, oh, you come up with this great idea. Or you get into a fight with your partner, it gets pretty heated, you retreat to the bedroom. Two hours later, you start coming up with all these witty comebacks, and you're like, why couldn't I have thought of that in the moment? So my theory is that the thicker your corpus callosum is, the easier it is for you to come up with these creative problem-solving ideas when it's go time, when it matters. And then finally, the last thing that changes, probably not the last thing, but the last thing I know of that changes in your brain over time of regular practice is that you can increase the size of your hippocampus by somewhere around 17%. So if you think about your bicep, if you could increase the size of your bicep by 17%, you'd be like, whoa, I'm swole. I'm into it. Now, imagine doing that to something in your brain. And so this is, again, it's, it's, we got to take meditation out of like cute category and we have to start to think about it like the most important piece of mental hygiene that we must be practicing every day, certainly in this time of high global demand.
0: Mental hygiene. Mm,
1: Brushing your teeth for your brain.
0: Right. (laughs) It's so good. It's so so good. It makes it so simple. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that explanation. On page 75, you write about the influence that meditation can have on our immune system. Mm. I know that the immune system is not just like a separate system, I know that it's comprised of all these different organs functioning optimally. Can you teach us about what that actually means in real time?
1: Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll share first a personal story is that when I was on Broadway, I used to get sick four to five times a year, you know, pretty thick, like, you know, swollen glands, runny nose, like, you know, upper ear nose and throat thing, which is very hard to sing and dance when you have that. And and then I started meditating, and I did not get sick for eight and a half years after I started my first meditation class. And then I had my bachelorette party and I really earned that one. So, you know, it's not I'm not saying you'll never get sick again once you start a practice, but you are setting your immune system up for success. And so what's happening is that when our body gets stressed, we, are, we go into fight or flight, and then the body starts preparing for a predatory attack. So if we imagine it's 10,000 years ago, you're hunting and gathering in the woods, tiger jumps out with the intent to kill. A few series of chemical reactions will start to take place. First, digestion will flood with acid to shut down digestion because we need all of our energy to fight or flee the tiger. That same acid will seep onto our skin so we don't taste very good if we get bitten into by the tiger that's one of the things that prematurely ages us when we're overly stressed Um, our bladder and bowels evacuate and i think to the point of this question our immune system goes to the back burner because who cares if you're going to get cancer if you're about to be killed by a tiger again body needs all hands on deck for the here and now for the immediate threat and so, since most of us in our modern world, because we're not really living in accordance with nature, you know, we're not outside as much. We're eating food that isn't food. We're sleeping at weird times. We're looking at screens so much. We're not having as much sex as we could be. And so, a lot of the sort of natural—we're not even hunting tigers. You're not fighting tigers or each other, or even running after them, which used to be a way to release stress. We're just compounding, compounding, compiling. And so, this low-grade fight or flight stress thing can make our immune systems compromised over long periods of time because one of the functions that the immune system does is that every day it will go in and just clear you know the free radicals will clear out cancer cells or it will clear out any number of diseases that are that are starting to pile up but if the immune system is constantly thinking that it's under attack then it's going to be suppressed and over time this can lead to trouble and and certainly you know in a time of a global pandemic we all want to be doing everything we can to strengthen our immune systems both for ourselves and for everyone around us. And so meditation here is just, a, to me, a no-brainer in this department.
0: Right, the, um, the part about when you have all of these sort of um, ducks in a row, as it were, you're meditating, you're taking care of yourself, you're having good food, sex, you know, music, dancing, movement, exercise, that neurogenesis continues to happen into your 80s is still resonating in here, but how soon does it start? Like how old are we? Yeah. How how soon can you think about introducing this practice to a kid? How old does a kid have to be to be, oh, you know, cognizing?
1: Question. So I'll I mean, I'll tell you for Ziva Kids, it's it's four to fourteen. So Ziva Kids is actually two different courses. It's four to eight-year-olds, which is me and Z Bunny. And then it's 9 to 14-year-olds, which is featuring more, you know, preteens. And so they can hear it from from people that look and sound like them. Um, But I think that kids are – they're born with the ability to tap into the divine. Like their right and left hemispheres of their brain are functioning much more in unison than ours are as adults. And, And for little, little kids, their prefrontal cortex isn't even fully developed. It's part of why toddlers have temper tantrums because they don't know how to regulate their emotions yet. But part of that, like the upside of that is hyper-presence. You know, they're not analyzing everything or, you know, future planning. They're just here now, here now. So it, it actually takes me much less time to teach children than it takes me to teach adults because they are so much closer to source energy. And I find that they're sort of in between those states. But the neurogenesis is happening much faster in children than it does in adults. The thing is, we want to keep Mm -hmm. that going. We want to keep that plasticity and that genesis going as we start to age and things start to become more stagnant in our adult lives. Got it. Got it. That makes sense.
0: I mean, I know that it's growing from birth, from before Mm -hmm. birth, really, but Mm -hmm. that's a really neat way to visualize it. And Mm -hmm. you also talk about, I have a note about page 109, you define bliss as the, quote, piece of you that knows that everything is okay. Mm-hmm. It's important to note that bliss and happiness are not synonyms. Yes, And it's possible to experience bliss even when you're sad, angry, jealous. Can you please offer my listener and myself an example? Because I need to understand this, and I know my listener wants to understand it
1: too. Yeah. So I think that in this Instagram world where we've got so many wellness influencers and there's so much content that's like, you know, be happy and do this. And so many people selling things, myself included, that are promising that it's going to make your life happier and better. And, and all of that is, is great. Like I'm all for optimization tools. And it's important that we face our darkness, deal with our darkness, don't shame the dark parts of us away that we bravely face them. And what I have found this is a bit counterintuitive and paradoxical. Is that if you give yourself access to true bliss, right? Which again, I define as the piece of you that knows that everything is going, not going to be, that everything is okay, that everything is currently okay, that you free yourself up to experience the full spectrum of human emotions. So the, there's a few analogies that I think are really powerful to illustrate this. One is that if you don't have a way to access, to flood your own nervous system with bliss chemistry, then you're understandably going to protect your heart. You're going to put guardrails mm-hmm. around your heart and you're going to try to live your whole life between like a four and a six. Like I know life could be one to 10, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm too scared of the 10 because the one is so painful. So I'm just going to keep it tight. I'm going to keep it in this four and six, not too happy, not too excited, not too devastated. We're going to protect, protect, protect. But then what happens is that by putting the guardrails around our heart, we're actually ensuring the experience that we're trying to avoid. We ensure loneliness. We ensure protection. We ensure like avoidance, actually. And so once you start flooding your brain and body with dopamine and serotonin, you start to feel this immense sense of safety. And so the another analogy I want to use is let's imagine a 10-year-old boy. Okay. And he goes to school and there's a bully and the bully punches him in the face and steals his lunch money. And he says, don't you cry. Don't you cry, because if you cry, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And he's 10, so he can regulate. So he sucks it up, you know, shoves his emotions down, and doesn't cry. And he makes it through the whole day. And he gets home, and he sees his mom. And his mom can tell something's up. And she gives him a big hug, and she says, honey, what's wrong? Are you OK? And he starts sobbing, crying. And he's just like, ah, and he just lets it all out. Now, is it his mom that's making him cry? No. It's that he feels safe enough with his mom to let go of the day's stresses. And that's what I find that meditation does for us because it's flooding us with bliss. It allows us to feel safe enough to release the lifetime of stress and trauma that we've all been accumulating in our cellular memory. And this is why I think it's so important to have guidance as you begin a meditation practice so that someone can help usher you through um, that emotional and physical detox. But then once that happens, once those floodgates are released, then you stop needing to protect yourself from any potential danger. You're like, I can handle this demand. I am resilient. You know, you can't make me or break me, right? Because if you have access to your own fulfillment internally, then nothing externally can make you. And if nothing externally can make you, then it cannot break you either. And so while you might feel sad, you know, you're going to be able to tap back into that source of bliss, you know, in your afternoon sitting. And so I just find that, you know, I used to teach acting for a while and and I found that the the range of emotions would just open up exponentially in these actors who were meditating because they weren't protecting their hearts so much anymore, and that was it was really beautiful to watch, you know, uh, in in Technicolor.
0: Hmm. It's kind of profound. I um, I'm just starting to realize that the meditation practice provides, per your metaphor, this place where it's almost I lost my mom as you know, like Mm -hmm. for, I don't know, I forget how many years ago now. And it's almost like I can summon that energy within myself through meditation so that nothing can really touch me super deeply anymore.
1: You mean you can access the energy of your mom?
0: No, meaning I can access the energy of that feeling of protection that the 10-year-old boy felt
1: Mm. with
0: his mom that allowed him to let it all go
1: mm, beautiful do you feel like that that meditation gives you access to that sort of mother energy or that that you're accessing your connection internally for sure mm. for sure so beautiful that's what
0: i've and it could just be that she's dead you know what i mean and then <laughs> and then she I mean, I mean that like she's non-local
1: mm-hmm, and i get mm-hmm. to experience her all the time could just mm-hmm.
0: be that wow
1: I found that when my father passed, I was 24 when my father passed, and I was not yet a meditator, but in his passing, I was able to heal in a different way and forgive in a different way than I think I would have been able to had he stayed in his body. And and that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure I had the exact same experience.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so grateful for this. I feel like a lot more clarity for myself and a lot more clarity, I'm sure, for my listener. Um, I want to talk about the book because I think it's important if you resonate, listener, with how Emily teaches this magical and vital practice. Her book is called Stress Less, Accomplish More. And it's badass. Um, (laughs) My copy is really dog-eared and marked up and Two of us have read it. It's so good. Um, Emily, talk to us about where my listener can find
1: you and about Ziva Kids, which is coming up soon. Mm -hmm. So I'd say the easiest place to find everything is at zivameditation.com. So it's Z-I-V-A, which is a Sanskrit word that means bliss. So zivameditation.com, you can find the book there. You can find Ziva Kids there. And also Ziva Online, which is, um, I'd say it's our most popular training. It's it's about 15 minutes a day for 15 days, and that's for adults. Um, and I find that you know Dr. Shafali talks a lot about this. But she's like, if if your kids are stressed, it's likely because you're stressed. So the best thing you can do for your kids is for you to adopt a practice, and then you're gonna you know be able to help them so much more. Um, so it's 15 minutes a day for 15 days. And everyone can find these things there. It's zivameditation.com. And then the kids course is just I'm I'm over the moon, excited about it. And and that it's all on the website. We're also all over social media at Ziva Meditation. And the book is everywhere that books are sold.
0: Delicious. Thank mm. you for that. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we finally got to do it. it feels yeah. so good. I'm proud of us. Yeah. Hey, and I'm proud of you. I know that it can't be easy working with your mom and helping her heal in the way that you are at this point and also having your kid there. And I just want to honor that out loud.
1: Thank you. And for all the moms everywhere.
0: Yeah, for all the moms everywhere who are sandwiched between Mm -hmm. your children and your parents. I'm giving you, we both are, we're giving you a huge... My left arm is up in the sky for some reason. I'm giving you a huge shout out Mm. to the mamas Mm. and to the papas who are doing this. Yes. Parents and kids at the same time. Um, Emily, it's always such a pleasure. And I think once the kids program is launched and in process, I'm pretty sure it would be very relevant for us to talk again just Ah, about that. Yes once you have that that. all settled yeah it feels it feels like a really good idea to have a whole podcast and how old is jonah now 14
1: 14 so he would be the uh, he would be the outer edge of the age range and likely honestly too advanced for it because he's been i mean you know doing his own thing for a couple years and you're his mom but if he'd like to check it out and give his expert feedback i'd love to have it (laughs)
0: You know what? I might actually present that to him as, can you check this out and give Emily your feedback on how you like it and if it's relevant, salient, you know, cool yes. for you. I think that's- that would be awesome. <laughs> you know what? Send me the link in an email and okay. then I will go ahead and present it to him because if he feels useful, I think he might, he might get down with it. But if he doesn't Great. feel useful, then he'll be like, no, I'm going to play some more Among Us right now. Got to go got it (laughs) have you have you seen that game by the way
1: no it's called more among us
0: among us it is the Uh -uh. cutest funniest super lo-fi in a way tiny little like martian looking characters that you can change their color and you can change their hats it's basically a whodunit i i have it on my phone and the few of us like when daddy comes to visit and james and we play together it is so silly and so much fun. And these kids are getting really good at it.
1: It's like way to get into what he's into. Like my son is really into cars and trucks oh, and yeah. monster trucks and dump trucks. And I'm just like, oh Dumped. my gosh, I can't think of anything I would care about less. And yet I'm now I'm watching monster truck videos on YouTube. I'm like, okay.
0: Yeah, you have to watch monster truck videos and you have to take several hours out of each week to say, okay, time to rearrange the cars. Get all my left arm is up again. Get all the cars, every single car that you own and bring it here to this room in the next five minutes. And then he brings all the cars, all the cars, all the cars, all the cars. And then you okay, you have 30 minutes to arrange the cars in a new way that you never have before by category. And you explain it like, maybe you want to do it by color, all the red cars, all the blue cars. Maybe you want to do it by type, the trucks, the race cars the sedans, whatever, Yeah. and let it take three hours of your time. And then you can bring the paper and the pens over
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you can have the kid draw his favorite car for today because tomorrow oh. it might be different. So draw your favorite car for today. Even if he's two, even if he takes a green pen and just makes a big circle on the page, who cares? Yes. Oh, I love this. And it, and it becomes an entire exploration. Oh, I yes. cannot tell you how many pictures I have when I look back of like, a sea, a parking lot on my living room floor of all the cars and the, the grin on his face with all these oh. curls spilling out. It's just, it was one of my favorite things about raising him was the, these weird liminal spaces where all we did was arrange the cars.
1: Oh, it's what he loves to do all day. He puts them in like a parade mm-hmm. and then he puts them in a parking mm-hmm. lot. So to have him, yes, yes, to yes. give him that task, it would just, it would, oh it, yeah. Every cell in his body would light up. Thank you. Thank you for that. What a gift. And
0: also get your mom involved and let her sit near. Yes. And she can start say, okay, mom, tell Jasper what you see. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to say he did a good job. Yes. Thank You're you. You're not allowed to say he did a bad job. You can just say what you see. So I see all the red cars. Yes. I see the blue cars over there. I see the green cars over here. And Jasper, you put all the yellow cars in this one corner why tell us mm-hmm.
1: you know mm-hmm. yes it it's it that sports like casting long. and curiosity I love it
0: full on it's so good and then mm-hmm. she also gets to see you know the sort of patterns and that's good for her brain right now mm-hmm. yeah really
1: good mm-hmm. oh what a gift the weirdest gift ever <laughs> go play with cars bye <laughs> I know. but you know what it's like a weird turn of life I never thought this would be me mm-hmm. but here we are and, and you know what? Thankfully, there are actually musical numbers about cement mixers. There's musical numbers about forklifts. Who knew? Oh, that's YouTube awesome. YouTube really is a magical place. And the diggers. He oh, yeah. The diggers. Diggers, backhoe loaders, the diggers. Backhoe loaders. The combine harvesters. I know them all. I know them all.
0: so good. I'm really proud of you. That's Thanks. the way. Yeah. That is the way. Mm. I love you so much, dude. Thanks for I being here you. with us. What a joy!
1: Mm-hmm. What a gift! Mm-hmm.
0: And again soon, I I, I want to hear from you once the kids thing is launching and loaded, and we can talk about that again extensively. And all
1: yes, done and done. I'm sending it to you. I'm sending it to Jonah. I genuinely Amazing. do want his advice. Like I'm not just pretending. Like I, I want. I get it. I get I it. it. I want it. I like Jonah, it. you were you were OG yeah. Ziva. He was. Mm-hmm. He did. He was mm-hmm. one of my very first kids course. Oh, I mean, can I just share this one story? So. Please. Um, I, I have kids bring fruit and flowers for this ceremony. It's like a gratitude ceremony to thank all the teachers that have kept this particular style of meditation alive for so many thousands of years. So kids bring one fruit, one flower, and they, I also have them bring a drawing of what meditation means to them because I'm always fascinated to know what are the preconceived notions even before they have training. And most of them draw like a person sitting cross-legged or they'll be like, that's my mommy, or they'll draw a rainbow, or they'll draw a peace sign. And Jonah drew an empty cube. And I was like, I think this is very, very advanced. And he was six, I believe. And I just found it, um, like we, someone had like made notes on the other side of it. I think you had actually typed on a typewriter on the other side of it. And I was cleaning out my office and I found it. And I texted you a photo of it a few weeks ago. So I was like, your son was advanced even at six. So I just love that story. You know
0: what's weird? I actually now just, I just now I'm remembering you sending me that photo and I didn't, I don't think I, Fully cognized what it was. And <laughs> that like, why are you sending a... me a picture of a box? <laughs> no, no, I don't think I actually realized that that was his drawing of meditation. For some reason, that just glossed right over my head.
1: Yeah, it was That's what really his funny. interpretation of meditation was, which is like the empty space, the space between the box. Was,
0: yeah. You know why it might be because I used to sit on a rug that was shaped like a square, and he would mm. come in every now and again and he would just sit down next to me. So it could be that. Really funny though.
1: And fun. I mean I wonder if he remembers. I'd love to ask him. Maybe if he does leave a kid. You little... know
0: what? It's about it's about to go down because as soon as I get that email from you, I'm gonna go into his room and I'm gonna ask him if he can do you a solid and take a look at the preteen programming. Yes. So that uh you know, you can know if it's cool and salient. He can give you feedback. Great and we'll ask him.
1: I love it. Do you We're remember on drawing an empty cube? <laughs> Just six or seven years ago,
0: <laughs> it could be. It could be that he was just being lazy and drew a box, like that's true. Perfectly, it could possible. be, but it
1: felt very advanced to me. I chose to yes, believe yes. that he was. It was meta.
0: I love you for that. <laughs> I do. It's like a pa- parent's best, like experience of the kid is somebody presuming his or her absolute knowing. It's the funny now you know also because you have a kid.
1: Well, I also think that it's a, a byproduct of meditators, like, and certainly of parents. Like, Parents are infamous for thinking that their kids are infallible, and I think my son is the smartest human who's ever walked the planet Earth. And, But I do think that meditators have a tendency to see the brightest part of someone, the best part of someone. And then when that person feels held in that light, it's easier for them to show up in, in the highest version of them. And so it's an attribute that I really love about myself, and it's an attribute that I love... In, in people as they adopt a meditation practice, as they start to give people the benefit of the doubt, they start to hold people to a mm. higher standard because they're seeing them through a more beautiful lens versus what's Ooh. wrong or how do I need to protect myself from you or how are you out to get me, <sighs> which we can't help but do when we're in fight or flight. But we're if, not, if we're right. not in fight or flight, we can be like, how can I celebrate you? How are we the same? How are you evolving? And and that lens is very important. I think right now is, you know, there's such a division happening economically, socially, politically, race wise. It's like the more anywhere we can find unity and certainly high grade unity is to be cherished and celebrated right now.
0: You know what's weird, last thing I promise, is that when you're meditating, as you said, you have a tendency to see the good in things, in people, in circumstances. What we're looking at on the world stage right now as the current leadership only sees scandal, fraud, negativity. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. There's no meditating for sure happening. And all that courses through those brains of him and all the people around him is this negativity and this suspicion. So that's what's projected.
1: Mm. Yes. And I, I do think also that leaders are representative of the state of consciousness of the collective. And so we. I think it's up to people like us to raise the consciousness of the collective. And part of that is excavating the darkness, right? So many things that people that certainly like me wanted to sort of bypass or gloss over or not look at out of shame or guilt or fear. Um, But as we raise the consciousness, which includes excavating the darkness, um, we will start to elect higher quality, higher vibration leaders. And I, I think that, you know, this whole like QAnon and all of the like conspiracy theories, it's, I feel like because people have been running on empty for so long and in fight or flight for so long, when we're in fight or flight, the prefrontal cortex is not engaged. Our decision-making capabilities are diminished. We can't help but see other people as scary because our insula is not connected to the dorsomedial prefrontal cortex, which is a fancy way of saying the piece of the brain that processes information about people who we perceive as separate. And so when you start meditating, you become more empathetic for people who you perceived as separate. Your executive function does come back online. You're able to start to think for yourself and be more discerning, and I think less susceptible to some of the conspiracy theories that are going on and preying on our division.
0: And preying on the limbic brain's need for, uh, what is it called? Apophenia, the pattern mm-hmm. finding? What's that mean? Oh, yes. A- A-P-O-P-H-E-N-I-A, which is why whoever it is or whatever group is fortifying this entire conspiracy culture they're preying on the fact that you just stated that the limbic brain is completely taxed adaptability Mm -hmm. is out the window because it's all been used up and Mm -hmm. people are just dying their instinctive brain is just dying to find some pattern in everything yeah and so this all gets perpetuated
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and it's really just a bunch of propaganda that's right
1: that's right and <laughs> so it's like end. what can we can we just take a pause can we just turn the news off for a few weeks few months and you know heal ourselves heal our nervous systems
0: yeah i think the trick is we we have this practice where we just listen to one npr update it's four minutes mm-hmm. on spotify mm-hmm. so it's audio there's no visual and there's nobody's opinion it's just NPR. They just report the news. That's it. Great. And so once a day, you get a four minute little hit of it. And that's more than enough, truly.
1: Yes, truly.
0: You'll get it again tomorrow. And you don't need to expose your eyeballs to all those commercials, and all the violence and all the ridiculous, indeed, propaganda that is being Mm -hmm. pandied about. Anyway, that was a total tangent, but thank you, because it does turn out that meditation helps with our capacity to manage the news cycle.
1: Mm -hmm. Because just like you need more dopamine and serotonin the longer you meditate, you also need more adrenaline and cortisol to feel the same amount of stress. And I think that people know that. Certainly the news networks know that. So that's why things are getting wilder and more outlandish, because they know that to get your attention it's going to have to be crazy because we're we're uh you know crisis fatigued at this point yeah yeah so I mean anyway, there is a solution y'all we could turn off the news for a little bit we could close our eyes we could meditate we could come home to ourselves we could start to see mm. ourselves inside of each other and wouldn't that be a more fun planet to live on
0: yes do you have any recordings of your of you just leading a 20 minute sitting
1: I do. I actually have a whole thing called the self-care center. I've been going live every week since March and I'll do like a 30 minute lecture and then a guided exercise. And we've done everything from immune boosting to anxiety relief, to dealing with guilt, to dealing with, Tuesday was about feeling your feelings. And they're all at um, zivameditation.com slash self-care. Um, But I can also send you an audio, just like one audio, if you want to link to it, if that'd be helpful.
0: I was just thinking, I was just thinking that for my listeners listening right Mm -hmm. now to give them one sitting after we finish talking so that they can actually feel what we're talking about. I think that would be really, really beneficial.
1: Yeah, I would love that. Do you mean like record it now or send you a recording?
0: No, you can send a recording, an audio recording just to my email, and then I'll set it up for my listeners so that As we say goodbye, my listener can now have a seat and meditate for a little
1: while. I love it. Beautiful. Perfect. Okay.
0: I love you, girl. Thank you
1: so much. I love you so much. much. Thank you for creating this with such mastery and artistry. Thank you for Mm -hmm. inviting me on. And also, well, I'll tell you, I just started working out with your trainer. Thanks to you, I'm working out with Tom. And my body is looking amazing. I look better than I did when I was on Broadway. And I'm 41 with a kid in the middle of a pandemic and a divorce. And thank you, Elena
0: oh my god i love you so much the truth is tom is a genius
1: yeah yeah really good tom manning y'all check him out at tom manning t-h-o-m
0: underscore i believe manning (laughs) m-a-n-n-i-n-g he's the bomb the best all virtual and he will get you so strong and it's and so like, you it. don't
1: even think you're doing anything. Like for the first few sessions, I was like, boring. I was like, let's kick it up a notch. And then my body, and then mm-hmm. I got six pack abs and I was like, wait, what? When yep. did that happen? Yep. <laughs> yep.
0: It's, he's very intelligent the way that he trains. Yes. Super intelligently and super subtly. So you're doing all this stuff, you're using your own body weight. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, now we're going to start working with the kettlebells and wait till you see what you can do. And it's like, whoa, I can do that.
1: My kettlebells are coming in next week. I'm
0: so excited. You're going to freak out. It's so much fun to be this strong as a woman in her 40s, 50s. It's so nice. Yes. Also, happy birthday. Hey, thanks. Mm. It's nice to be 50. I like saying that I'm 50. It feels so sexy. It does feel that way. There's something about it. If you're listening and you're scared of getting older, stick with us. We love getting older. That's right.
1: Yeah, I'm 41, and I love—I love being in my 40s. Feels really good.
0: It just gets better. Wait till you see who you meet, and what you do, and where you land. It's gonna be ridiculous. (laughs) I love you. I love you so much. Talk Talk soon. Bye. Bye.